0: to the 24 seven sports college football podcast with your hosts chip patterson and barton simmons the ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between cbs sports presents the 24 seven sports college football podcast
1: back Here on the twenty four seven sports college football podcast, it is Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. Best to uh, you and yours. Our thoughts with anyone who is a listener of this podcast and has had uh, their weekend or their week impacted by any way uh, by Hurricane Florence. Um, Barton Simmons, Chip Patterson, an incredible week three. We've got so much to get to right here. We've got multiple top ten teams losing. Uh, we've got some of our first really monumental. Uh, some of our first really monumental conference play that is starting to shape what the conference championship title races look like. Uh, we've got uh, Barton. I've got a really sunburned face uh, from my time on site uh, down in Auburn, Alabama, and I, I just I'm I feel like we the I feel like the season in earnest really kicked off this weekend.
0: Yeah, we had we had boots on the ground for the 24/7 Sports College Football Podcast, and that's that's always exciting. It is. Uh, Uh, and you said, you said first monumental, and I thought you were, you know, you, you went with, uh, conference bashes, but I thought you were going to go with monumental upset because we had, I mean, we had what a top 10 team, 20 something points, favorite lose, uh, at home, I think was, did Wisconsin lose at home? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was, this was, this was a, this was as substantive a weekend uh, as you gonna get we, we got we got some questions answered
1: so that's and so the fun that we're going to have here is uh, and, and Barton you, you suggested this during some of our pre show planning that this is a weekend where we we really felt like uh, some identities or some true colors were revealed like we're starting to actually learn a little bit more for some teams, uh, maybe uh, our perception of them as a potential contender or even for some teams as like a a maybe even like, like right now. Okay. So so true colors revealed. I'm I'm going to go off the board just right off the bat here. Uh do you think Florida State is going to make a bowl game?
0: Why why do why would we? Right. Like what's what reason would we have to expect this Florida State team to make a bowl game? No. That's an interesting place to start, but This Florida State team is bad. Right.
1: Yeah, The the poor execution. Uh, I mean, defensively, I think that that is the only thing, if you're a Florida State fan, that you're holding your hat on, is that you've got some dudes out there, but the offense is just terrible. The offensive line in particular, um, just Syracuse beat up on DeAndre Francois for the entire game, and I just, you know, hey, what's up, Syracuse? You know, our boy Dino – Got to have another great uh, locker room speech. Got to have another great moment with his guys. This is another year where Syracuse takes somebody down. Uh, the Carrier Dome is a uh, under Dino Babers. It it is his vision, man. It's it's his vision. But Florida State, our over under, our over under podcast going into the year. Uh, we we were talking about how the schedule is so tough. That's why the over under. We're talking about a seven or eight win team. I come out of this weekend and I'm like, man based not only on the results but just based on the quality on the field i i think florida state's a five and 17
0: yeah i mean i, I went before this game for i don't think we anyone ever really made a prediction on this podcast and i, I don't think we were asked to for cbs but for my 24 my facebook show for 24 7 we picked this game and i said i picked florida state and i was like and, and the other two guys picked florida state and i was like but we're going to we're all going to be wrong. Like we're going to – we are going to wake up on Sunday and regret making this pick. It's just it's – we're so programmed to assume that Florida State can win that game. But they're just not – there's just no reason. Like and I think we're finding that out across the board. I really threw my – you know, we got to turn in. I, I do a top 40 for CBS every week. We can turn in whatever sort of our number we're comfortable with. And mine all year long is a 40. And in my top 40 this this week – produce the most turnover because I was like I was like I'm not gonna make these assumptions based on the brand names like I'm gonna really make it very clear that I'm gonna rank based on what these guys have done and these teams have done this year and if you like if you were doing that in terms of the the preparation for this game you there's no reason to think that Florida State would have won it
1: I dropped I go to 50 and uh I dropped Florida State entirely from my ballot this no week doubt. They yeah. They started, I think, at, like, 27. You know, I wasn't ready to name them a top 25 team. I needed to see it. But then that 27, like, quickly turned into, like, a 38. And then that 38 turned into a 45. And I, I was going through uh, just before we started. I was like, no, you're out. I, I do not believe that Florida State is one of the top 50 teams. And as it stands, with a really, really tough schedule, uh, it looks like it's going to be a, a season that might end up snapping that postseason streak, which is crazy to think, uh, given all the high expectation for Willie Taggart.
0: I mean, the offensive line is horrible. Um, and I don't know how an offensive line gets that bad. I think they've... I mean, and, and I refuse to believe that the players that they've recruited are that bad. I, I really, and this is... I mean, this may sound like kind of passing the buck, but I just think that there's been a, a, a major... Um, they've not done a good job of developing that position, and whatever developing that means, maybe it just means coaching. Maybe it means, maybe it means physically developing. Maybe it means technically developing. Maybe it means schematically developing. But those guys just are terrible. Uh, and when your offensive line is bad, and that's a theme across the board, USC is the other one. Mm. I mean, it's time for me to take my USC medicine and and uh, and just and, and admit how bad of a preseason expectation that was that they would be good but that offensive line is terrible um and when your offensive line is bad you know the rest of your team is going to follow and that's i think that's what we're seeing at florida state and at usc
1: okay uh before we get to auburn lsu because i do want to dig into that because i think that game has uh, more substance in terms of what it means for the season as a whole i i just i want to get right back to usc this is a uh, the This has created, and so much of this commentary, we might need to reach out to him again. Uh, Ryan Abraham's had some interesting commentary on the status of Clay Helton. And Ryan Abraham has has a deeper understanding of the USC fan base, but also of the USC leadership and of the university leadership and sort of what goes on around that program and all the different factors. And I obviously... Follow him. He's part of he's part of the family, part of the twenty four seven sports family, and part of the twenty four-seven sports college football podcast family. But I I really am interested to see how this goes for Clay Helton because on one hand, I look at JT Daniels and I'm like, Man, JT Daniels is being thrown out there, what do you have, forty-eight attempts uh in the loss? It was like twenty four for forty eight. I think was his his final stat line. So he's, I mean, they are sending a super talented kid with a championship type ceiling out there as a true freshman, and he's having to chuck it all over the place. And there are flashes, there are plays that you get excited about, but man, the the team's bad. And I I don't know, um, I I don't know how USC's leadership, not the fans, but I don't know how USC's leadership ends up reconciling uh, the the JT Daniels' future of what it can be and whether or not you trust Clay Helton to be the coach to lead
0: you there. They had negative five rushing yards. That's just – that's impossibly bad <laughs> for, a, for a USC <laughs> For USC, team.
1: no doubt. Absolutely.
0: I, I just can't fa- – and they th- those backs, Stephen Carr, Akasedric Ware, uh, Vi Malapii, I mean those guys are – those guys are very competent, good backs. There's no, there's just no reason for it. I'll say this: like of, of all the just, like there's some bad starts out there, some disappointing early season, you know, uh, movement right now. Of all of them, I, I think that the most discouraging is probably from a coaching standpoint. If I'm like a fan of a program, I think I'm I'm most disappointed in in Clay Helton. Um because this is, he has the talent and it's, you know he's almost a victim of his own success recruiting right now. I mean, these guys, these got players, but when was the last time USC just looked sort of better prepared? When was the last time that you, you got confident that they were going to be better coached? Uh, what is he, he's own six and power five games without Sam Darnold or something? Um, you know, he is, maybe he's even F- FBS games. Uh, he is, and and I think, you know, he, and and like the the thing with Clay Helton too is, he, he's such a so well liked as a person, and so you want to root for him. And I've you know I went there spring practice not this past year but year before, and like you know everyone over there just sort of raised about how much the kids and the players like coaching under him and all this stuff, but it's just not clicking. And I think the the bigger problem for me too, beyond that with USC, is that I look at that team. And I looked at this USC team, and, and guys that I thought were good last year look look worse or the same. Like, there's not progression, in, I think. In, and I think that's got to come down to strength and conditioning. And there's just clearly – like, they don't look athletic on the defensive why, front. Yeah, why does a USC team with that kind of talent look slow? I don't know. That's the thing. Like, I I have to believe that that is a, a strength and conditioning um, – just a, it's a program development thing, and 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 that's that's a problem. Like that's a, you. When have you ever seen? And I just use Alabama because they're kind of the standard. But there's a there's a handful of schools you could use. But when have you ever seen a, a player from Alabama play as an underclassman, and then the next year he looks the same? Like those guys make dramatic leaps year over year. And that's why they're so good, is because when those guys' times come, they're so good. And it just that's to me is the most discouraging thing about USC is there there is very limited progression year over year with their personnel.
1: Do you know where I have no question about strength and conditioning is with either Auburn or LSU right now?
0: Hey man, I don't know who Auburn's guy is, but Tommy Moffitt at LSU is as good as there is.
1: Oh my gosh, the the like the meaty, hard hitting. Like the everything about Auburn LSU was everything that I wanted it to be. I mean, both te- both defenses, in my opinion, showed up big time. I think both teams, uh, even if you throw out sack yards, both teams are averaging only about three yards per carry uh, on the ground. I mean, you were just getting absolutely nothing. So that meant that it came down uh, to just trying to to spring a couple big explosive plays. And like, uh, I mean, before we even get to the um you know what this means for the the sec in general or you know lsu but like barton i i credit you because the thing that stood out from the very beginning of that game was that lsu believed that it had elite wide receivers that were going to win battles against Auburn's secondary yeah. and Joe Burrow was just going to pick on him and i think that continued the entire game and joe burrow only had about a 50% completion percentage but it's because he was taking shots and it was right. because he was testing those auburn cornerbacks and safeties and like i think that even plays a role into the the pass interference penalty that ends up extending the drive and setting LSU up for that game-winning field goal because LSU's wide receivers were getting separation, they were beating their opponents, and all Auburn could do was try and hold them to try and prevent big plays.
0: Yeah, I mean, all the... This isn't the first time LSU's had great receivers, obviously. They always have great receivers.
1: No, but you pointed and, to this coming into the season. You were like, right. LSU's so, wide receivers are elite. And I felt like this was the week where, for me at least, it affirmed. I was like, holy cow. They've got four to five dudes on this team. Right.
0: No, and, and my point in saying that is like, all right, so every year we get – and this year they sort of made it a point and, and, and clarified. Look, we we understand this is our strength, the wide receiver position, but – it's not as if this is the first time that the wide receiver position has been a strength. The frustrating thing in the past about watching LSU is that, okay, their wide receivers are so good. We know they're so good. And then we don't see them utilized except for like, all right, when they're down by two scores with two minutes left, they start throwing bombs. Or like they'll throw a you know a, a two-receiver route and, and just off play action and just throw it up. Like there's just no – there's no plan for how to how to – make those guys a strength and this is the first time in a while as I was watching that game feeling like yeah okay they like they it's not just talk anymore like they actually Steve Insminger actually is trying to feature these guys he actually is taking up chances and 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 you know using that that strength and so that I think was really encouraging um and you're right. I mean, those guys were making plays and and I and I absolutely credit sort of some of those pass interference calls to the fact that they you know, you, when those guys are bearing down on you, you got to do something. Like you're not it's an uncomfortable place to be in as a defensive back. Um, it was I, hot too. too.
1: It was really hot. It was like 95 degrees on the field at the kickoff. It cooled off a little bit during the game, but like they they were winded. Both like those those both defensive backs probably were, but both sides of defensive backs, but definitely Auburn for sure.
0: There there were a couple of other things that really stood out to me about that game. One, you know, I've said this before, you know, Burrow, Joe Burrow doesn't um, he doesn't he can he can you, you can you can win with him, but he is not gonna elevate your team. And in a way that's that's still ranked true in this game. But it's a different sort of style. Like he is in a lot of ways, Danny Etling, with a different number, as as Brad Nessler said last week. Um, but the difference is, I think Joe Burrow, like, eats this stuff up. Like this, going into a hostile environment uh, with a hundred thousand people, and and playing as an underdog and having a top five defense chasing you down. I think he loves that. And like embraces that and is is does not shy away from that. And I think to me like there's a there's a difference in the way he attacks things under center and in, in that sense, just the attitude he brings. And like because of that, I feel like that they are like he is a he's kind of exactly what LSU needs. I mean he's I think he's a he's a very I think encouraging answer at the quarterback position because of the attitude more so than anything else.
1: What else is that? I,
0: I, well, I, I thought that LSU protected really well. Like, yeah, that Auburn defensive front was really good. But I, when they needed a first down, when they had third downs, so often Joe Burrow had a clean pocket.
1: Oh, man. You know? Breaking, think, breaking hearts, too.
0: Yeah. And and that's just – that sort of – when you're talking about Auburn as a an elite – SEC title contending national playoff contending team you're talking about a group that can get after you on the defensive front to the point where you can't you're not comfortable operating your offense and that just that never felt to me even though LSU wasn't able to sort of move the ball up and down the field it never felt to me that that Auburn was just totally disrupting what they were trying to do and and I that's a credit to LSU for being able to sort of in that offensive line.
1: Man, it was uh in like L- LSU through the first punch, Auburn's able to to sort of settle down. Uh I thought I thought to your point about Burrow, I thought Burrow outplayed Jarrett Stidham and that yeah. and that went very much against most of the trends that I'd sort of followed about Jarrett Stidham. Like yeah, he'll have a bad game from time to time, but it normally doesn't happen at Jordan-Hare Stadium. You know, his his home away splits almost always were favoring uh the way that he was going to play at home and you know, all Auburn needed was just like maybe three more first downs in that second half, but they kept giving the ball back to LSU. you know, then Burrow leads them on scoring drives, three out of the last five times they get the ball. like it was uh it was aw- I mean it was it was loud as hell near the end of that game, and then silent. I'll bet. <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: You know who was awesome in that game that I was uh, Grant Delpit was awesome. The safety for LSU was just I mean he he was everywhere to me and uh, uh I mean that, that LSU defense has got I think I think Auburn's playmakers are up front I think LSU's got playmakers at every level which is what makes them really good
1: what do you what do you think about Auburn's offense right now let's before we get to LSU like what because because I got this question on CBS Sports HQ and you know, you're kind of in the moment. You're trying to think on your feet. And as I started talking, I, I started talking myself into this position where it's hard not to look at Auburn and just kind of scratch him from the picture.
0: And right. and some of that is scratch result... Them from, scratch them from what picture? The SEC West picture,
1: the SEC yeah. picture, the college football playoff picture. And some of that is the result itself. Some of it is the schedule that's left where they have to go to Georgia, to Alabama, at the end of the season Uh, and some of it is that man like I Darius Slayton's pretty good I don't know if he's great Ryan Davis is pretty good I don't know if he's great Uh, I, I really like Whitlow I thought Whitlow emerged in this game as probably the guy who needs to be the number one back there but and to your point about the defensive side the defensive line and the defensive front is nasty but I don't think that they're elite on the back end either. And this was, uh, you know, I, because of everything that went into that Washington game, especially, you know, the neutral site, it being kind of low scoring, a lot of missed field goals and turnovers, I think it, it maybe got lost and that I wasn't able to get a good feel for what this Auburn team was. And I felt like the LSU game was a very good test and it revealed some of Auburn's flaws, and it just kind of has me scratching them from the picture.
0: Yeah, I, I think offensively, and I don't know whether we're just, it's, it's just hard to really get a fair look at Auburn offensively because they played two really good defenses to start the year, but I'm you know there, there's there have been times in recent college football history where Gus, Gus Malzahn's offenses were were scary. You know, you, you, were, you were scared to play a Gus Malzahn offense or, or to bet against a Gus Malzahn offense. Or, you know, I I don't know what about this Auburn offense really scares other teams. They're, they're very – I mean, they're a good offense, but, like, what's keeping defensive coordinators up? Like, I don't know whether there's I, – I agree that, the, you know, the wide receiving group is – it's all just good. The quarterback plays good. The running back plays good. The receivers are pretty good the offensive line has its moments, but nothing is, is like really threatening. Right. Is that, you know, and, and fair, and, you know, a hundred percent. And I just think you, there's a lot of other teams and you could, and, and we'll just talk about sec. I mean, there's a lot of other teams where you sort of point to something that's really threatening. That really is going to keep some a, a defensive coordinator up. I don't know what that is for Auburn. And so I'm trying, you know, I don't know whether that's a, a process of, of finding their identity. I don't know whether that's just a, Uh, an unfair judgment based on them playing two of the best defenses in the country early in the season, but I'm having a hard time identifying the threat at Auburn. That is, that is really dangerous.
1: So here's where this gets really fun. Uh, LSU hosts, Georgia, LSU hosts, Mississippi state, LSU hosts, Alabama, this sec championship in some way, shape or form is going to be decided in Death Valley.
0: I love that. I love that's it. Way it. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. You know, <laughs> I mean, and, and that, but that's a great. I mean, that's that's what makes this whole LSU sort of trend right now so awesome is that they've got they've got the best resume in college football right now, and they haven't played a home game yet.
1: Well, you know, they got yeah, two they of the best they
0: wins in college. I mean, they haven't played a mean They haven't. Yeah, they haven't played FBS. a meaningful home game yeah, yet. Right.
1: Right. Right agree um,
0: for sure and so yeah and so when you when you realize that all right they're sitting here at 3 and 0 and they got all those big dogs coming to their place yeah absolutely i mean that 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 is i mean I, I am i admit i underestimated LSU even up to this game last week or this you know to this saturday and it's it's time to take lsu seriously
1: so uh handicap it what what do you Look! Look in the, we're gonna. I mean, this is it's LSU. It's it's not like it's gonna be a topic that we're gonna tire of talking about or a topic that we're gonna stop talking about. But as we sit here on Sunday early evening, uh, handicap it. How do how do you see in your crystal ball this playing out?
0: Well, I mean, I still don't think anybody's touching Bama, and I still think, and I think Mississippi State is as good as I thought they were this year. But we'll we'll find out more about Mississippi State this weekend when they play Kentucky. Um. And Auburn, like you said, they'll be—they're capable of beating any. You know, I don't know about Bama, but they're capable of beating the others. And so, I just think this is going to be a—this is going to be fun in a good way for all the reasons. The SEC East is going to be fun in a bad way. <laughs> like,
1: see, I think they—I think I think they get Georgia. I LSU? think Yeah, I think they get Georgia, and maybe they get Mississippi State too. I think Bama. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not picking against Bama. At least as long as Tua's is on the field, right?
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know where. I'm, yeah, I don't think anybody's touching Bama as long as Tua's is on the field.
1: Did you ever hear? Uh, there's a. It was. I mean, actually, I was glad because I was listening to it just in the car, driving around, running errands one day, but. uh dan espn's dan lebitard on his radio show he was he was saying it in a very nihilistic way you know kind of laugh but not laugh it's happy it's sad it's comedy it's whatever but he said college football at this point ultimately comes down to whether the randomness of life ends up resulting in the rare alabama loss at a time that keeps alabama from a national championship
0: Right, because as long as Alabama's in the four, they'll win it, basically. Is or, that his point? Or,
1: or just that every single time a college football season starts, there's not another team on, in the country that is where Alabama is. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: that's, mean, that's,
1: they dunked all over Ole Miss. They held them to, what, 275 yards of offense, and 75 of it was on the first play of the game?
0: It's unbelievable. Right? I mean, I haven't even really watched the game. I can't really comment in an educated manner about what happened in the game because it was never close enough to warrant my attention, (laughs) which is insane. I mean, I would look up and I'd see the highlights of Jerry Judy catching another 60-yard bomb, but there there was never a time when this game was like a realistic fight. And, I mean, God bless you, Chip, on that. Uh, over bet <laughs> What a... what a to, to score 62 points and not have Ole Miss come up with just... All they had to do was call with 10 and you get the over.
1: Oh, how about... And, you know what's even more heartbreaking is I think I might have hit it if not for the Alabama missed field goals.
0: How many missed field goals did they get?
1: I think they had three missed field goals. Oh my god. <laughs>
0: like, I,
1: I think I could have won this if uh if alabama if if all the drives that had otherwise gone very well oh no yeah because it was 62 to 7 and it was a 71 over under and we had let's see oh no we didn't have any missed field goals why did i think we had some missed field goals
0: maybe not i don't know. well either way i mean th- this like the thing that was shocking about this Alabama win is it like I believe that they could score as many as they wanted.
1: Right. We just on, thought Ole Miss, Ole Miss could get twenty one. That's yeah. all we needed. We we said if Ole Miss gets twenty one, this thing goes over because Alabama's going to put up fifty.
0: Right. There's not a surprise. The sixty two in the Alabama column is no surprise. No. But that Ole Miss can't get more than like one, one play. One, one one big play. play. Is, is just but it's so scary because look that's as I think my my whole perspective on Alabama heading into this season was look I this off nothing about this offense has surprised me week one on I this is what I expected but I didn't know if this defense was going to be an Alabama caliber defense I really had some hesitation there and through three weeks like there's there I mean what what this is as good of a defense as they ever have, which is just un—I mean, it's it's unreal what they do and how they do it and how consistent it is. Um, so yeah, man, this is another this is another runaway number one team on my list week.
1: Yeah, no questions about it. Um, all right. Did you as as we're talking about these teams uh, continuing to sort of show their true colors? We're starting to we're starting to figure out. Uh, you know, what these teams are about. I feel like we're coming out of LSU-Auburn where it's like LSU up, Auburn, you know, good but not great. You know, LSU, probably better than we thought. Alabama, maybe even better than we thought.
0: Alabama's better than I thought.
1: Ohio State and TCU, how do you feel like you have adjusted Uh, your analysis of both of those teams coming out of what was a wildly entertaining, potentially costly for the Buckeyes as, as we wait to hear about uh, what the severity of Nick Bosa's groin injury is and, and sort of the, the way that, you know, the, the lessons that we learned in the Buckeyes 40 to 28 win a game that they were trailing 14, 13 in the third quarter, how, how do you readjust or what do you feel like we learned about those two teams?
0: Well, I, I, I came away from that game thinking both those teams were really good. And I, I came away thinking both those teams maybe were better than even I thought. Not that I had doubts about Ohio State. I mean, obviously what they've done the first two weeks was, was awesome. But um, I thought that was maybe the, the collectively the best game we've seen as far as the product on the field. As far as, like, TCU didn't look like some sort of a fluky, we're going to stay in this game by by making, you know, just just catching a couple breaks. I I think TCU looks, like, legit on offense. I think they look legitimately fast. I think they look like they're going to be – I think Oklahoma better have their eyes open. Um, You know, they better get that film. I think that – and I think Ohio State, too. Like, that was, was a difficult environment they that was a really good team that team caught some big plays and ohio state just kept on punching back they kept, and 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 like great teams do by the end of it you know tcu just ran out of a little they just didn't have as many as many punches in there you know and, and 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 ohio state just kind of kept on rolling they just they never they never ran out of gas um and I thought that just was—I thought that was a sign of a really good football team. So I, I came away with this one like feeling better about Ohio State, not not worse, considering that they didn't cover, that they didn't blow TCU out. And I came away thinking TCU is like, who would you take in a TC, in a TCU um, Auburn game or a TCU even Washington game? TCU
1: TCU over Washington quickly. That's a quick answer for me. TCU-Auburn is tougher, but as of right now, recency bias definitely factoring in. I'm taking TCU. I think TCU, I think Sean Robinson exceeded any expectations of what I had for what he was going to do against Ohio State's defense. Um, And TCU's just overall team speed is incredible. Yeah. They are so fast. And then you factor in, like, I thought thought Sonny Cumbie did an incredible job in the first half of that game.
0: I didn't realize Sonny Cumbie's only 37 years old. That's – that's he. he's a – Add him aggressive. to
1: the list, right?
0: Of add like, him to the list.
1: Yeah, just – I mean, that is – that was a well-schemed, great game plan. And, you know, how lucky is TCU to be in the position where you've got uh, a a young, great offensive mind on the rise in Sonny Cumbie and a straight-up legend uh, in Gary Patterson running your defense? Like, there's not – there is not a team in the country. I don't know. Um, excuse me. Let me back off on not a team in the country. Uh, how about this? There's not a team in the Big 12 that I think has that kind of, uh, shout out to Charlie Weiss, decided schematic advantage on both sides of the ball like TCU does.
0: Uh, I, I agree with you. I think. Um, I, I would rank Lincoln. What was your. Where was your – what was your hold up saying country? Not that I'm going to argue for that. I'm just curious if someone popped into your head as a clear – clearly better than TC. It just seems
1: like a really bold take. <laughs> seems just- like
0: one you should like think through before you go <laughs> right. throw it out there. Yeah, yeah. 50, yeah. 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 But no, I mean I think that's a great point is that like that's – so often, yeah, we got – I don't know. There's there's one that we like down the road, Jimbo Fisher and Mike Elko a good one. Um, they're they're – uh, you're right, though. Like it's rare that we have we can pair such a really elite offensive mind with a, such a really elite defensive guy, and 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 I think TCU showed that. Um, but again, ultimately, Ohio State has the freaks, what,
1: the dudes. They got, they
0: got and they got a bunch of them, and they and they and TCU's fast and athletic. Ohio State's fast and athletic, and they're also freaking enormous. <laughs> and, you know, so like, big. <laughs> and there's so many of them and you know so you know and then you just hey you play a good game and you think you got everyone corralled and they just you know then Paris Campbell takes off on a on a tunnel screen for 60 yards and it's just oh man um so it, it they are one of those teams you just can't blink with and and are they Ohio are they Alabama level I don't know but I mean I I think that what what Ohio State has shown us has has made me feel better about them than I do Clemson which is not not something I was saying before the season, um, and I'm not so sure Ohio State. You know, I don't I don't know that I'm put Ohio State and Georgia on a neutral field. I'm not sure who I'm taking in that one.
1: Ooh, what a good game that! Way. If that's a if that's a playoff matchup, mm, give it to me. Yeah. Just just mainline it right into my veins. <laughs> I, I like all right, so Dwayne Haskins' phenomenal game here. He's the truth, man. 24 for 38, 344 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions.
0: Yeah, he's been really efficient. Uh, and, and I'm just telling you what, they they don't win that game if JT Barrett's a quarterback.
1: Agree. I absolutely agree.
0: And I'm going to tell you what else. They put replaced JT Barrett with Dwayne Haskins last year, and they don't lose a couple of those games they lost last year. I just... And this is why, this and and this is I think that that's a this is a fair criticism for Urban Meyer too, in that look, your loyalty, is, is all you know that, that's that's commendable and these are humans and, and there there is a human element to this, but your job is to put together the best team in in, in the country for or the best team Ohio State can be, and he just flat out didn't. When, he's, when he chose to play JT Barrett over Dwayne Haskins. He just flat out didn't. And I, I, and, and I think it's, it, it, you know, Nick Saban playing Jalen Hurts wasn't doing that either last year. But it's, it's much more defensible, I think, than, than what Urban Meyer did. And I think that it could have cost them. It really could have. Like, I do think that they could have been potentially a, a, a team that plays in the champ, national championship game if they, if they have Dwayne Haskins all year last year. And we'll see. I I think that they're looking like they'll be a uh, a college football playoff team this year with them. Oh, and and absolutely
1: more so with the the way that the rest of the Big Ten is looking. I mean, uh, yes, we do have an absolutely enormous game. Penn State blew out Kent State, sixty three to ten. But other than that, uh, and this was one of the big takeaways from a from a national perspective. You know, in in weekends like this. You know, every we always like to group everyone in their conferences, but Wisconsin loses at home to BYU. Um, let's see. Maryland loses to Temple. Maryland gets beat thoroughly by Temple at home.
0: Nebraska. Uh, a, a Temple team that has not been good early this year, by the way.
1: Yeah. Ne- Nebraska. Oh, a Temple team was, which lost to Villanova. uh right. ne- Nebraska loses at home to Troy. Good Troy team, but a Troy team that got spanked by Boise State twenty-four to nineteen.
0: Um let's see. Northwestern loses to Akron.
1: Northwestern blows
0: an eighteen point lead to Akron. Clayton Thorson just goes out gunslinging it. Three hundred and eighty three <laughs> yards, passing three touchdowns on fifty-two attempts, making his case for NFL first round draft pick. But oh yeah. He also delivered three touchdowns to the bad guys.
1: Bad week for the
0: – it's it's so funny because I'm – Purdue, Missouri. I don't know if you said that one. Illinois, South Florida. This is bad. It's a bad week. Bad week. Ru- Rutgers gets absolutely mopped stuff by Kansas. Shout to... out. <laughs> <laughs> what up, David Beatty? Yo, I hope David Beatty is looking for a contract extension today. Go into Jeff Long's office and say, uh, "I just outscored Ohio State against Rutgers. Give me that money.
1: You called it. You're so ahead of your time. <laughs> <laughs> this, the the Kansas, all of these Kansas successes, just 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 has the loyalist listeners of the twenty four seven Sports College Football Podcast knowing,
0: just vindicating me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I will say." I'm not ready to bury – I am not ready to bury the Big Ten, but I am walking away from this weekend probably the most – like in terms of identities and uh, trying to reveal your true colors, I think Wisconsin, a team that I had in my college football playoff expert picks for CBS Sports, I think Wisconsin is much more above average than they are elite. I feel like do you know what uh do you play golf?
0: Yeah, once once uh, a year sometimes once every 2 years. Does does really. the
1: term fighting your swing mean anything to you?
0: Sounds like something I do a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean it's like the you know what you know what when everything goes well, you know what it looks like because you've hit the one good shot and so you spend I, the rest of the afternoon just trying to replicate that because you know that if all you did was hit those that one good swing uh, over and over again, then you're going to end up playing significantly better. And I know what Wisconsin's best looks like. And through three weeks, I feel like I've spent a lot of time where Wisconsin just isn't playing there.
0: Well, yeah, and and I think like this was a this was a really interesting game to me because I, I really was very I was very impressed with BYU week one against Arizona. Uh, then. Arizona goes and loses a week two and BYU loses to Cal. And I'm like, all right, maybe my eyes were playing tricks on me there. But I, I really think this the, – the transformation and not to not to sort of pivot from Wisconsin talk to BYU talk. But like to me, that is – like that's a more interesting story almost to me is, is how how bad that team looked last year and how good they've looked so far this year. It's like it's a totally different culture it's like it's like you with the same head coach different with the same, the head, same coach. head
1: coach yeah for sure it's
0: like, it's like you're fast forwarding like four years in advance to where to where these guys have been in this new culture for four years now they're tougher they're more physical their offense looks really really clean and crisp jeff grimes i, I continue to think looks like one of the best offensive coordinator hires of the offseason which is a shocker who would have i saw that coming um and i just really really was impressed with what they did in that game and I don't know, like, it's just, this is just, when Wisconsin loses, this is what it looks like, and I don't know whether that's a product of their, you know, the offense they run, it just sort of is, is you know, you, you, if it's, you're not getting as, you're not scoring as quickly, you're not taking as many shots, you're not, it's not as, the, the pace isn't as fast, and so maybe when you're, you know, when you're off your game a little bit, it's just gonna be easier for you to get tripped up, but um, this is just sort of Wisconsin you know and 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 in a way it's sort of a relief that we can just get this loss out of the way now we don't have to have this hanging over us and pretending like Wisconsin is a a national title contending team um which many of us had convinced ourselves that they were uh and, and which
1: which really maybe in in part might have been me just wanting it right just cuz it would have been fun
0: sure and and the <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of bullet points to make you believe that the evidence is there, that it was a reasonable expectation. Yeah, but like biggest...
1: when Kenny White came on, he was like, no, I've got Wisconsin as the 21st best team in the country. That was a good call by Kenny. <laughs> I mean, but that's right. Like good catch. The numbers, you know, this, that's uh, – what is it? The, the man of science, man of faith, dichot- like the the split between those where it's like, no, the science says Wisconsin's good, but they're not great. But you just see all that beefy meat out there in space and the pulling guards and Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, you want to believe that this is a team that can go up against anybody in the country when in reality there are um, there are deficiencies in Alex Hornibrook's game. Without the full wide receiving core on the field, there there is a step down in the talent that they've got right there. And that even... You know the, the losses that they've had on the defensive side of the ball, even with Jim Leonard and a lot of solid dudes still there, they're not perfect.
0: And now they got to go to Kinnick Stadium and play Iowa, <laughs> which that's looks a good.
1: I was yeah. like one of the only. Hey, I don't, I don't know. That's
0: a defense. That is a defense is going to give Wisconsin some trouble. Um. So that's a, that is a fascinating game to me. Uh, like that. I. I, I it would Not only would it not surprise me if Wisconsin went ahead and lost two straight, but I I will be very tempted to pick that this week.
1: I, I too. I think I'm already leaning Iowa's way. Um, yeah. I thought that one of the strongest statements of week three was made by Oklahoma State. I think that uh, I did not get as many eyes on the like – I did not have – because this was in that 330 slate, so it was running right up against – LSU Auburn. So I wanted you to lead the discussion. Uh, I've read a lot of the the comments after I've gotten to rewatch portions of it. So uh, tell me what you saw because it sure seems like you know in terms of the the who's who is elevating themselves beyond the expectations, who is falling back. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State, right now. I'll I'll start with this hot take. Oklahoma State could walk into Bedlam undefeated facing an undefeated oklahoma sooners team.
0: Yeah, well uh, as, as this game approached, I I started to realize, oh my god, I am I am picking boise state to win this game along with everyone else in the world. Bad like, spot. Yeah, no one no one everyone was counting oklahoma state off. and and when I would talk about this game, I'd be like, you know, I think oklahoma I think boise state wins this game, but I think Oklahoma state's really good. And I think it's going to be a statement win. the fact that Oklahoma state will go on to have a big 12 contending season. So I did, I, I, it wasn't a, sh- a shock to me that, that Oklahoma state was good. Um, I, I expected that. I think that people overlook how good the skill is. Justice Hill is the real deal. They've got, they've got, re- they have plenty of receivers to step in, uh, for James Washington. Um, I, I just think that the, you know, as as the game played out and it was just sort of very evident, like, this is still a Mike Gundy coach team with all those guys, with all the same sort of, um, all, all the same identity that they've had. And the defense has been playing pretty good this year and they're going to go ahead and figure out a way to win this. And, you know, they blocked cold punts and they, um, they got some big plays on offense which they tend to do and taylor cornelius is suddenly some like you know bulldozer dual threat guy and uh, you know this this oklahoma state team is just it's i think this is another one of these games where i'm no less i'm no less convinced boise state's a really good team i just think oklahoma state is better than better than i thought and certainly better than than just about everyone else thought as well
1: based on what i had seen from boise state so far this year to hear that oklahoma state whipped up on them at the line of scrimmage was impressive to me
0: yeah but i mean and there there were some moments where they absolutely you know moved those guys but i mean boise still had 414 yards of offense and to to oklahoma state's 422 and they had 380 yards passing and 23 first downs and and granted, again, you know there was a, there was a couple block punts that limited Oklahoma State possessions and and that kind of thing. But I, I do think that this offense in the past game is is what we thought it was for Boise State. It's just that this Oklahoma State team is like whatever the uh, the t- win total was on OU or Oklahoma State before the season. It's uh, that, that over oh, I mean, is going to hit. This is going to be. I'm I think it's. It. A, I think it's I still think even though we should probably t- touch on Texas but even though even after Texas goes and and, and beats um USC this weekend and looks looks sharp doing it I still think this right now to me it's Oklahoma State TCU and Oklahoma in the Big 12 those are the three teams I think that are the best I've seen
1: I agree with you I'm not ready to jump on board with Texas I did not get to see as much of that game as you but I am not going to did I get Oklahoma? No, I did not put Oklahoma State on my card. How did none of us put Oklahoma State on our win totals card?
0: Well, because it was a – I don't know. Like, you, what's Taylor Cornelius going to be a quarterback? It was just too – it was too – it felt like you were betting too much on a prototype. You felt like you were betting too much on like a, an idea of what Oklahoma State will be. there. I mean, there are as much as, you know, Tylen Wallace and Tyron Johnson and – Taylor Cornelius looked very capable like they you know there wasn't a lot of body of work to to be confident in that. That's true.
1: Um so what would you think about the Longhorns?
0: Oh, I don't know. I think that that's I I'm, I'm just I'm interested in seeing what the what the like response like to me to me Texas isn't even as interesting right now as as is just sort of the whole texas community and like how they are responding to their team do they do they hate their coach Do they <laughs> love their coach do they do or do they are they proud of their guys are they are they calling them entitled are they like what's i and so beating a team like usc who's sort of a mirror image on the west coast right now is this is just sort of hard for me to gauge what i really think about the team i, I just i'm i'm more fascinated in like the the soap opera surrounding it and that's it <laughs> i mean i mean i don't know they were good i mean defensively they they, they limited usc's run game to like five yards i mean they they're uh, caden stearns is a stud they got a true freshman at, at safety that's everything we thought he would be um they've got big receivers that if you miss a tackle they're gone um there's there's stuff to like about texas you know it's just it's just i'm just not ready to trust them yet and i still think again i i like i like i trust more what i'm seeing with my eyes with oklahoma state tcu more than i am with texas i and would of agree- course i am with oklahoma yeah
1: I, absolutely um notre dame 22 17 win against the doors we are in full uh what was it was it Tommy Reese and Everett Golson?
0: Um, Maybe. I guess so. Was it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like Tommy Reese was a half of a quarterback for Notre Dame for like three years, always having to rotate with someone else. But yeah, we're back in Brian Kelly, just pulling guys out, throwing them in. Let's, okay. Uh, we're going to get Wimbush to run the ball. I think he had like 16 carries. Ian Book to chuck it around a little bit when we get in the red zone. The defense for Notre Dame is so good that it really probably isn't as detrimental as it might've been. If that defense was even like a tick worse, I feel like Notre Dame is going to win a lot of games this year, but they're going to, none of them are going to be ones where you walk away feeling really confident that the Irish are a T like, I think that Notre Dame can be a 10 and two team that you do not think is very good.
0: You know where I put Notre Dame in my CBS top 40. Um, they've been ever since their first for their first win, they've been trending down. Uh, I put Notre Dame seventh, 18th. Uh, I mean, do you have them below Virginia tech? I have them below Virginia tech. I'm below West Virginia. I below Oklahoma state. I have them below Washington, Auburn, TCU, uh, Penn State, Stanford, Mississippi State, Clemson, LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, and I would have a real hard time with anybody convincing me Notre Dame is better than any of those teams I just named. Um, I think, and and before as as this as the the day on Saturday was progressing, I almost wanted to call this show like Statement Losses Show because we learned like how all right biu hung in there with wisconsin you know what that's a statement loss like they they're they're a better team than we thought or vanderbilt statement loss vanderbilt was a statement loss like they look good i think this vanderbilt team's good but i think this is also a statement win in a negative sense for notre dame like they this is no this is last year this is just last year and you can get 10-2 with last year but brandon wimbush what, what I've come to realize is that first game was sort of the best foot forward version of Notre Dame. And really, it was the best foot for best foot forward version of Notre Dame in the first half. Because even the second half, they didn't really do much offensively. It was just – they were a product of Brandon Wimbush unleashing some bombs to some, to some big receivers down the field. Those guys went up and made plays. And what do you know? You're up 14 points. And now we're back. We're settled into this Brandon Wimbush world where – yeah, he can get you some some yardage with his legs, but he is he is so uh, for an athletic guy, he's just he's not fluid in the pocket. He doesn't look natural in his quarterback movements. He doesn't look like he's comfortable throwing the football. And I think this is going to end up catching him. And I think Notre Dame's defense, as good as it is, which I think is really good, I think it's go- I think it's really good. I don't. I don't Again, I don't think this is a Notre Dame defense I'm ready to put up there with, say, Alabama, c- Clemson. I guess do we we still think Clemson's a big-time defense, right? Yeah, for sure. We still think, um, you know, Oklahoma, Ohio State. You know what? This is – I think Notre Dame is a good defense. That's a good enough defense to win every game, but I don't know if they're going to get enough help from their offense to win the big ones. To beat a Stanford or to beat a uh, who, who else are they playing? That's something to think about with Notre Dame. Like, what's their win total going to be? I don't. <sighs> like, that, I think I think a lot of the teams that are on their schedule that we that we're supposed to be scared of, I'm not scared of anymore. Yeah. That, uh, that, that <laughs> As I'm talking, like I'm sitting here thinking, like, all right, there. Stanford is the only game on this schedule that I'm worried about. Virginia Tech absolutely is a tough game, but they should beat Pitt. They should beat Navy. Northwestern just lost to Akron. Florida State, huh? Yeah. And USC, like this. Suddenly, this this tough, brutal schedule may have just played one of his tougher games against Vanderbilt. We really, you know what I mean? yeah,
1: we really need Notre Dame to lose because, like, we need Notre Dame if, to lose one sneak of these games. Into the
0: playoffs. Oh my yeah. god! If this team sneaks into the playoffs with an undefeated record by by just sort of barely squeezing by Stanford and Virginia Tech and then playing a bunch of bad teams, that's uh. That's that's not going to be pretty.
1: You know what's going to happen is the loser of the SEC championship game is going to thump them thirty-eight to nothing.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: like, no question. <laughs> that's <just gonna> <laughs> like that's that is that is exactly uh, how that goes.
0: But uh, I can't believe how how this schedule has evolved for Notre Dame. Really, I mean, I guess the the Michigan is the key for Notre Dame. I mean, and what do we really know about Michigan yet? That's how that win evolves over the course of the year is going to be really telling.
1: So Michigan's gotten all this good juju going uh, with all these, like, all right, we're going to you know beat up on some teams, and you know Donovan Peoples Jones three touchdown catches and uh, the win over the weekend. Now they face Nebraska, and Nebraska doesn't at all look like uh, the kind of potent, the kind of foe that maybe I thought it was going into the season, and I started playing out Michigan's schedule. And that's another team where I don't think Michigan's great. I think Michigan's pretty good, but they're going to sneak in. Like they've already got one loss, but they're going to sneak into the meat of the big 10 schedule. You know, when they, when they have that Wisconsin, Michigan state kind of run, I think it's in about a month, about mid October, they might be, you know, five, six, seven, and one at that point. But, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm thinking that both – if based on what I've seen so far from that Michigan-Notre Dame game, neither one of those are playoff teams.
0: No. Though – and look, I do – I really still think Michigan – like there's no reason to think Michigan's personnel can't develop into a playoff caliber team. If if Michigan goes and beats Wisconsin at Michigan State, beats Penn State, and goes on the road and beats Ohio State – We'll feel very differently about Michigan. For sure. The, the difference is, though, like with Notre Dame, I agree with what you're saying, but there's there's no games on the schedule remaining, with the possible exception of Stanford. But with the possible exception of Stanford, there's no games on the schedule remaining for Notre Dame to actually to change our minds and start to think, well, this team maybe is a playoff caliber team.
1: Uh, Cleaning out the notebook. I'm not panicking about Arizona State losing to San Diego State. I feel like Arizona State has already exceeded some of the expectations, and San Diego State's a good football team. I thought they outplayed them, even beyond what the final score said.
0: You thought San Diego State outplayed them? Yes. I yeah yeah I, that was a fun game to watch on on the San Diego. If you were unless you're an Arizona State fan, um, I, I I love that San Diego State team. Me too. And, it, that, and that game makes you feel a little better about Stanford too. Stanford may be really good. You know that that's the team potentially right now, week three. We're talking about how we sort of the the character is being revealed on a lot of these teams. Stanford may be sort of the one that we're still waiting. Like, is this how good is this Stanford team? Are they really good? Um, and I could see a I could see a world where they're, you know, and that and again, beating San Diego State I think is not to be taken lightly.
1: We've got Stanford at Oregon coming up this weekend.
0: That's a big one. That that yep. Yeah.
1: The Oregon yep. fan base was not happy with the way San Jose State went. 35-22 to 22 win. I did not see one second of it live, but I am going to go back because the comments suggested the following. Number one, encouraging. Defense played its ass off. That's a good thing. Uh, Justin Herbert, again, just fan sentiment, but underwhelming in the performance. The offensive line bad, and the offense I saw quote sleepwalking through most of the game. Now, was that because it was San Jose State? Was that because it was right before you've got this massive game against Stanford? Potentially, but I am I am I do not think that Oregon's character was revealed. It's not going to be revealed against a team like San Jose State. But if we're gonna take make any early uh, predictions here on this Sunday night. I will say that there is certainly a, a reading of the tea leaves that suggests that this Oregon team is not ready to play spoiler in the Pac-12 North, like you might have
0: thought. Yes, but that was a, that was. I mean, that's a look ahead spot. You know, that's I'm, wi- a, I'm
1: willing to give them that. I'm willing to give them that for
0: sure. That's what I'm saying. I think that Stanford and Oregon, like that, we are. I'm starting to feel comfortable with a lot of teams' personalities this year. I'm starting to feel comfortable with knowing who they are. You know, you're not going to trick me. I, I know who you are. I don't know who Oregon and Stanford are yet, but we'll find out this weekend. Um, so that that's why that's a big one, I think.
1: Any other, uh, as before we get out of here, any other big takeaways?
0: Uh, BC. Yeah, man. They, they, got a, they got a pass game. If they, if they can find a punt game, then they're going to be trouble. They may not find a punt game, which may, may be enough for them to not, not pull off the, the big ones. But who – I mean, I love this PC team. So much fun. I love this BC team. And our Duke over is looking pretty sharp too, going in there and smacking Baylor. Oh, um, I, meant, I
1: meant to ask you this. So what do you think the pose needs to be for the David Cutcliffe statue when they uh, put it up outside the Wallace Wade Stadium?
0: I don't know, man. You're the, you're the Cutcliffe expert. You tell me what it should look like. Since the start,
1: since the start of 2013, Duke has like a, like 638 win percentage.
0: Yeah. He's yeah. It's, it's, it's it's
1: insane. What that team has been able to do, like even, oh man. And, and to lose Daniel Jones and then to go and win in that spot. It's ridiculous.
0: Um, did you watch much of U- Washington Utah?
1: I hated that game. I thought yeah. I thought I thought Utah did everything I expected Utah to do, but then I did not expect it to be. I don't know if sloppy is the right word, but there were just so many either like bad breaks, like the what should have been a pick six that wasn't, right. yeah. you know, or just like actually self-inflicted wounds and miscues. Yeah, I kind of hated that game.
0: I loved it because I was on the under. So I'm just sitting there like (laughs) lapping all that up. (laughs) Like there's nothing nothing better for an under better to have a pick six that's derailed by a big lineman fumbling out of the end zone and then getting goal line stand stop and then turn the ball over on downs to a team that has to drive 98 yards the other way. Like that is an under better's dream and I was so I was I was just enjoying some of that some of the moments there but uh yeah it kind of went the way expected um I don't know what I why I brought that up other than just I love watching Washington Utah play I, I love watching night games that are high profile Pac-12 games in Salt Lake City I think I think, just, I I think like Tyler
1: Washington. Huntley in that offense can be better and a lot of that might be a credit to Washington I'm willing to entertain it but it's not like we've seen Utah light it up offensively yet this season
0: no, they haven't. They've been bad offensively so far this season, and yet I, I like Tyler Huntley. Like everything right. he does, I'm 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 cool with. Uh, but for some reason, they just haven't been able to get it going. Uh, you know, three of Utah's best players by the end of the night on defense were 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 not in the game either due to injury or ejections. I still think Utah is going to be a problem for teams in the Pac-12 South. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll be watching watching closely those guys. No
1: doubt. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday letting the dust settle, taking a deep dive. Uh, of course, make sure that you subscribe. As always, why? Because it's free to subscribe and it's free delivery right to your podcast advice. Barton, thank you very much. the sure.